Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about women at work. There's been a tremendous amount of conversation over the last month or so about women and menopause and the workforce. And just yesterday, I picked up a statistic from the US through Genev, who some of you may know is a big menopause healthcare site, that over 45% of US women have taken time off work as a result of menopause, symptoms impacting their ability to work at the level that they like and are used to doing. And we've seen similar things come through in the UK with the report that Dr. Louise Newsom presented, where the higher stats in the UK were even higher, and at least 10% of women are leaving the workforce as a result of their menopause symptoms. That's pretty shocking statistics. But I think there are a lot of things that we can do, not only about getting the right support, but also around our own mindset. So I was very excited when today's guests, and I'm saying this to you, my regular listeners, this is the first time we've done a three-way conversation. Wow, here we go. But my today's guests come and they have written a book called The Working Women's Guide to Menopause. When the heat is on, don't sweat it. And I'm delighted to introduce to you today, Gail Gibson, who is a performance and leadership coach, and Ruby McGuire, who is a business and mindset coach. Welcome to the show, Gail and Ruby. It's my pleasure to have you both here. Super. I'm so excited about this conversation because so many of us have been con corporate women working in different size businesses or entrepreneurs and coping with menopause. I might ask each of you, maybe start with you, Gail, what inspired you to write this book? I think what inspired us was just that Ruby and myself were entering our perimenopause phase and we were experiencing some of the symptoms we talk about in the book, such as brain fog moments and that forgetfulness. And we were talking to each other as we do every month. Ruby and I have what we like to call our buzz chat, which is an accountability check-in. And it was on one of these chats that that we were talking away and we just could not realise what date we wanted to meet again. So we were thinking, did I say Tuesday? Did I say Wednesday? We were having this wonderful brain fog moment. And so I said to Ruby, well, I think we should write a book about this and we should do it quickly before we forget what we have even thought about. And so that's where the idea of the book was born because we thought, well, if we can share our experience and how we look after ourselves, our mindsets in particular, well, we can help a lot of other women out there to go through this journey in work or in the corporate world too. Ruby, what can you add to that? I think we don't realise how much the brain fog impacts. That particular day when we were trying to, to book that session, it was hilarious. Like, this is such a simple thing. Why have we not sought this between us? We're both intelligent women, but the reality was the symptoms were clouding our thinking and we weren't able to, to work out what we were doing in that moment. But because we're both very strong in terms of mindset, we will not be beaten. <laughs> and Gail with her kind of approach and me with my, how can I reframe this approach? We decided that together we can share our experiences with each other, but also share with other people so they can 
can work on their mindset. So we didn't want to take the approach of everyone else doing lotions and potions and HRT this and not HRT and all of that kind of stuff. We wanted to say how you can bring back control in the moment. What can you do to take back control over your life despite what's happening in your body and the changes that are taking place? Yeah, and I really like that approach. It concurs very much about the way that I think that we have a tremendous amount of power over our own thoughts and mindset. And yet that often doesn't come up within this menopause conversation. I think women are often meant to feel that they're a bit powerless and have to be helped by other people and not have as much internal locus of control. Yeah, brain fog. That's a really good one. <laughs> and I, I'm going to share that on Saturday I did a workshop and I, I won't mention the person who did it because I'm sure she wouldn't want me to say her name. But she booked the meeting for 4 p.m. her time and then she sent it out to everybody at 3 p.m. <laughs> so there were, you know, so easy to do. Such a thing to do. So there were all these uh -huh. fabulous women who had turned up at 3 p.m. and I wasn't there till 4. <laughs> but, but they all stayed, so I'm very grateful to them. But that's a classic brain fog, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And really impacts the way we feel about ourselves. But you mentioned that the book and your approach has been different. Tell a little bit more about how this book is different from a lot of other things that are being, shall we say, women are guided towards in, in this time of life. And either of you can take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. <laughs> Because we can't see each other this time. We've done this we've done this three way with many hosts. When we can see each other we can give a nudge prompt across the camera. But so the difference we've already hinted at it that we both approach the mindset in the work that we do. But I think it's it's such a strong point. You know, we both follow many of the other menopause gurus out there, so to speak, and a lot of them really do focus on the medical side. And we wanted to bring these practical everyday skills. The, the tools and techniques we talk about in our book, simple things that people can do each day, but they are wonderful in the fact that they allow you to create some really positive habits that can power up the brain. And the greatest thing about them is that we use them every day. Ruby and I both turn to these tools and tips and techniques that we share and the strategies that we use and they have really helped to empower us to get through this uh, time in our lives as well so I think that is what really does set our book apart so it's we don't talk about the medical side at all because we don't have any any um, basis or foundation in that area we just come at it from the mindset approach and say to people, you do have the right to take back control of how you think, how you act and how you behave. Now, what I'm not saying is that all of these techniques just suddenly are going to wave the magic wand and take away all of the menopausal symptoms. But we have learned that when we can give the control back to our mindset, and even if it's something as simple as just taking a breath and a pause while we're perhaps in an anxious state and before or just after maybe a brain fog moment has happened where we may feel that our performance has dropped or we're not good enough or we've just been forgetful and what are other people going to say about us? Sometimes all it takes is just a pause and a breath to refocus and to 
just reset yourself to actually go, you know what, I can be in control of my mindset so I can still perform at my best and I can move forward from here. So it's the practical side that we feel is really different and that's what makes our book stand out from other books on menopause. That's, and that's really insightful that we can take that breath and pause for a moment. Uh, I'm going to turn to Ruby and say, is there other things that you would add that you think makes the book a good guide for women to take on board and messages that are within that? Yes, I think some of the key messages that we talk about are drop the blame game because it's very easy to get into this, oh, I'm blaming the menopause, it's just stupid menopause this and stupid menopause that. And what we want to do is think differently. That's really giving our power away to something that's going on on our body when we can actually rethink how we do things. One of the things that came up for me around menopause was anxiety. See, I've always been a bit of a worrier, but when the pandemic started, I, I literally could not say the word lockdown. I, I can now, and every time I do, I smile to myself because I, I, if people talked about it, I had to mute the Zoom. I had to walk out of the room. I just couldn't hear that word. So I reframed it into, right, how can I make this feel lighter energy? What can I do differently? So rather than um, saying, I can't talk about this, okay, it's work to our best times. Let's be unkind to ourselves. One day you might feel on top of the world and the next day you might just want to have a duvet day or just want to snuggle up and watch a movie. And be kind to yourself. Whether you're working, if you're working full time, that's not necessarily going to be possible, but maybe take yourself out for a walk at lunchtime. Give yourself a bit of a break that perhaps you wouldn't normally give yourself. And if you're working from home, rearrange your hours. I have what I call now topsy-turvy days. So I will... Um, start later if I'm feeling lacking energy in the morning I'll start later and finish later whereas normally I'd always start earlier in the day so there's lots of things that you can do and I think the other thing that I would add that runs as a theme throughout the book is have a sense of humor because <laughs> we need to lighten up about it <laughs> yeah, um, we do the most ridiculous things last night my husband he said to me he was opening a, a tin of smoked paprika and I said would you like a spoon so he said yes yeah. so I passed him a knife he went that's a funny spoon <laughs> in my head. Yeah. So we, we have a joke about it, but it's that kind of thing. And you think, oh my goodness, if, if I didn't know I was going through menopause, I think I was going. Well, you've said that <laughs> really important point there, Ruby, is that not the blame or let's say it's my hormones, I can't control it. And yet, as you said, lightening up and taking some, maybe some responsibility, even if you have to say, sorry, it's brain fog moment or whatever, that that is incredibly powerful. And I have a question around that, though, is how do women do that in the corporate or environment? That's a really good question because, as, as Ruby was saying, a lot of the flexibility comes in for women who do work for themselves. So you can create your own work routines around family or your energy levels, etc. But in the corporate world, I think one of the gifts that is coming to women now is the rise in continued hybrid working. If a woman is having perhaps a tough day and she's not feeling at her best, the organisations that are bringing in really positive menopause policies are making room for all employees, not just women, but all employees to have that flexibility of work options so that if a woman is experiencing that and she may even have it 
as part of a cycle, even though she's going through perimenopause or menopause, she can tell when her peak and her low days perhaps are. So she can perhaps talk to her team, her boss, or if she's the leader herself, and just be open about it and say, look, how can we together support each other through this time? And so I'm going to work flexibly or the team will work flexibly and you can work from home. So if you do have um, a particularly tough day and you're trying to get your mindset back into the right place that you can work and be kinder to yourself in your work, then you work from home. And then when you're back on those peak days, when you're feeling that you want to be involved in the corporate discussions, in meetings and all of those things, in a physical sense, you can return to the office. But I think it really boils down to open communication, empathy, and building these cultures of care in organisations where it's not just menopause policies for women, but it's across the board so that everybody can work flexibly and support each other at the same time. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd like to add to that because that some people might be saying, oh, that's amazing if you're working for a forward-thinking company, but there are some that are not so forward-thinking, <laughs> which is when you do need to take control yourself. And I think some of the things that you perhaps tell yourself if you're having a bad day, you can end up spiraling, saying, oh, I'm rubbish at what I do, I shouldn't be here, I'm a fraud, all of these kind of things that can happen as a result of maybe something you've done wrong. Maybe you did forget, like you said, with the, the lady with the workshop, Maybe you did book it late and it's what you tell yourself in that moment that can make the difference to how the rest of your day goes. So what we really love all of the, the menopausal policies that are coming through and, and the way that companies are supporting people. For people that work in companies that don't, you can still bring back control of the, the way you talk to yourself, how you look after yourself. When you finish at the office, setting in place morning routines, wind down routines, all of those kind of things are going to help your mindset in those situations. I totally agree. And I think, as you said, there are not every organization is going to be the same with policies. Having worked across a variety of different organizations in my corporate career, I know that could be extremely different depending on where you are in the world and, and the size of your organization or the culture of your organization. But I also really like, Gail, a point that you made about this also being about inclusion for everybody. And I think that's an incredibly important point to be made that I, I'm i not convinced that women want to be singled out as being menopausal. And I'd love some feedback from you, but I get that sense that's part of it too. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't believe that women are asking for any special privileges or to be put on a pedestal during this time in their life. It's just that I think they just want to um, be respected for who they are and, and how they are contributing within teams, within organisations as well. And just saying this is a life phase that most women, well, as we know statistically, that 50% of the world's population is female. So f perhaps 50% of the world will go through some form of menopause. And so it's just saying that if we can be open about it, we can talk to each other about it, we can support each other, we can educate each other about it more. We can have conversations that are worth having and we can really care for each other through this time. In the past, 
as we've talked about on other shows and we've talked about with friends and with the women that we were talking to in our book, in the past our mothers didn't have any support of any kind and and they would have muddled their way through whatever type of menopause they may have had and we have our own version of memories of what those um, experiences were. But for those of for those who have mothers who did work in the past, it would have been, I think, a really difficult time for them and there wouldn't have been any understanding. But now the the momentum that is building and the raising of voices and awareness and acceptance, acknowledgement and the empathy that is coming out, we do need to see it drive further. As Ruby pointed out, there are a lot of organisations out there still who have not considered bringing in any inclusive policies for all staff, let alone bringing in menopause policies. So there is a long way to go, but it's about opening up that conversation and talking and showing that you care for others. I think that's a very good point to that. One of the great things that I picked up in the book was this thing around the word no. And I'd love maybe Ruby to give a little bit more insight around no. In my book, no is a complete sentence, but I'd love to hear (laughs) your take on that too. I I used to get called the queen of boundaries way back because I just think the, the power of the word no is amazing. And as women, we take on so many things. We take on family commitment, um, work things. There might be children. There's what's for dinner. There's all of these different things outside of our work. And I think when you can start to put boundaries in place, life does get easier. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's easy to set the boundaries. Sticking to them is a whole different ball game. But I think what you need to do is say these these. For example, I am going to plan out my diary. I'll give you an example. I was thinking with a note in my diary, by your diary, <laughs> because I was looking at them, wow, I've had so much going on this week. Can I actually achieve all of this? And I'm a bit of an overachiever anyway. And so what I set in my mind was, okay, so I'm going to make it that I only have three appointments with clients each day. And then outside of that, that will give me time to do admin and all those kind of things. Now, obviously, I run my own business. I have that very fortunate position that I have that flexibility over my diary. And, and I used to have actually a sign on the wall that had these people falling over laughing. So you want it when? <laughs> and I think the thing we fall into is this trap of somebody else's urgency becomes our urgency. And when we're working through menopause, we might not have that additional energy that we can actually give to these other things. And that's when the power of no really kicks in. We've allowed people to cross our boundaries. We maybe have allowed people to email us at 10 o'clock at night and we will reply at 10 o'clock at night. We may have allowed all sorts of different things to take over our work time that's stopping us from staying very focused. And when we then say, I'm not willing to do that anymore, it can actually be received quite poorly because people are like, well, you normally do. What's going on? And I think it's sticking to the boundaries because we're having to retrain people. Yes, I did used to do that, but actually my energy levels aren't so great at the minute and I need to do what I can so that I can stay on top of all of these different things that I want to take through to completion. I need to need to stay on top of all of these things. And that means that I am going to switch off at X time or I'm not going to answer emails at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I used to have an example of, I, I would literally personally reply to people at 10 o'clock at night and then I'd be, 
oh, why are people messaging me so late? And I thought, of course they are, because I reply. <laughs> so what I've trained them to do. So then I thought, well, a simple fix is I'll put an out-of-office reply on and say that I only reply during certain times or I don't work certain days. And as you do this new training, it can make a, a massive difference to your energy levels, to how you feel. It's again bringing back that control. And saying no can feel really scary, but what you're doing is you're actually saying yes to yourself. And then you have a lot more energy that you can give to the right things that need to happen. Yeah, I totally concur with that. And you're right, it is about training others that these are my boundaries and then keep on reinforcing them. And you thought 10 mm. p.m., I used to have a boss that emailed me at 1 a.m. every day in mm. the night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but we allow it, and that's the trouble. So I think it's again bring back the power to yourself. What can I do about this? What do I need to change? It's again giving you back. You take responsibility for how you've allowed things to happen, and that's not about blame. It's blaming yourself. It's just saying, yeah, okay, I'll put my hands up. I actually I've created that situation. Now what can I do differently? And it may take time, and you will mess up. You will all of a sudden email maybe at ten o'clock at night again, and you think, "Oh, hang on a minute, no, my new boundary is, is that I'm doing this." Maybe Gail has a view on this one too. Is this thing about saying you'll be in every meeting and being cc'd on every email? Yeah, that just adds to that whole chaos, especially in the corporate world. I think. I just second everything that Ruby has said there. And when you transfer that into an office situation, there is this lifestyle choice that people make today. And I've noticed it particularly living here in, in Asia. It's that 24-7 connection. And that is just creating so much burnout for people, regardless of whether people have caught menopause or not. But for menopausal women or perimenopausal women who are trying to take that pause and step back and manage symptoms and manage mindset at the same time but being on call for people all of the time it becomes crazy and so when we come back to the the, the cc'ing on everything all of that does is just compounds the issue it makes your inbox twice as long as it needs to be and also, I'm a huge advocate for working with clients and saying how relevant and how necessary is the meeting that you've called? Is it something that could just be discussed in a quick conversation? Does it require an hour, two hours to meet, sit down, take notes, write a list of actions, and then when are you going to meet again and how many of those actions are going to get achieved? I left my previous corporate role almost 20 years ago because of that reason, because, and that was going back a long way. But if we continue to this relentless connection that is happening in offices all over the world, and we don't give ourselves permission to take that responsibility and just say to our teams, to ourselves, and just say, we need to create some boundaries. We need to be mindful of our own self-care routines and stepping away from work so that we can actually spend time, spend quality time and healthy time with our families and switch off. The C and the BCCing and all of those added extras, that tagging on, it really does need to stop because otherwise people, there'll be more and more cases of mental health issues and the burnout and people just 
definitely not being able to perform at their best, whether they work for themselves or whether they work in a corporate role. And in menopause, we just have less energy. I think for exactly. some of that, we just don't have the same. And I see a lot of women who are struggling with sleep and issues and have this fatigue. I firmly believe that if women were to take some actions around some of the positive habits you're really sharing here and in your book, then some of that would be reversed. Some of the anxiety would be reversed too, because we're just shuffling away the things that we don't need to be doing. And uh, I would say that some of those boundaries we have at work can definitely flow to our home life, can't they? What was one surprising thing that really struck you as you, because you did a lot of research for the book, what was something that really were you unexpected in unearthing all these understanding around these menopause years for women? I think for me, um, the main one is that so many people think they're actually going out of their mind. It's my mum had dementia. Do I have dementia? I've forgotten to do this. I've put this in the fridge. I've done this. I've done that. I walk into a room. Can't remember why I'm there. All of those kind of things. And it, I, I actually don't know if I'm going mad. And I think um, we had a conversation with Rachel Wise over at the Menopause Cafes. And she would say that's one of the biggest things that come up. You're not on your own. And you are okay. You're not, you're not actually going mad. It's just part of this transition stage that you're going through. So I think that for me, because I didn't think I was going mad, but I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm really forgetting so many things. And I, I actually am doing a volunteering role with an accreditation company. And when you're doing something on your own business, it's one thing when I was doing it for other people and I'm thinking, I completely forgot about that. And I'd feel like I was letting them down so of course then that's another layer of guilt that you have to work on because you feel like you're letting other people down and I think once you address the fact that you're doing the best you can with the circumstances with everything that the tools that you have available to you that can take some of the pressure off and then it's again having that communication and having some support around you sharing with friends so that they know what you're going through and having those open conversations because then they'll say wow me too I'm so glad we're talking about this because I didn't know that was how you were feeling. And I'll just share one thing from a, a, a program I watched years ago, and it does remind me of menopause, and it was uh, Desperate Housewives. And don't judge me if you don't like it, <laughs> but I like it. It's one of my guilty pleasures. And uh, this particular day, this motherhood, her, for those of you who don't know, this mother had uh, twins and um, they were driving her, and she basically took herself off to a football pitch and disappeared, went off grid, and none of her friends could find her. And this is how I'm remembering it, whether it's a complete story, <laughs> you have to watch it to, to get the depth. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, her friends found her and they sat down with her and they said, what's going on? And then they all said, yeah, we've been there too. We've been there too. And we've been there too. And she said, but why don't you talk about it? Why haven't you told me that's how you're feeling? Then I wouldn't have thought that I was the only one going through this situation. And I think if we can have those conversations and get our friends and obviously bigger than that, the bigger picture of getting it out into organisations. But it starts to share how they're feeling and another individual woman. And before you know it, we can actually start to make some really powerful change um, across the globe, really. Yeah, I agree. And I think obviously across the globe, it's a very different picture. Certainly mm. being in the UK where you are, Ruby, the conversation is quite uh, widespread, but 
sitting where I'm sitting, it's much lower. And you'd think in the Nordics it would be big. Mm-mm, no, it's very patchy. And certainly we know that in Asia, I presume, Gail, you would say that the conversation is very low-key, if even present. Yeah, it's low-key, but it's a different... They've reframed how they think about menopause here. And I, I take a very strong positive from that because in the Chinese culture, um, women consider menopause to be that second spring. And so they look at it that it's a time of renewal and life opportunities because it's the end of the childbearing years and the end of that that role that they have been in for a long time of being a, a mother and a wife on that level. And they do view it very differently than women in the West. And we've, I actually did some research for us and we didn't include this in the book, but it was very life-affirming to actually read how they do view it so very differently out here. And in Japan as well, it's seen as a new beginning. And we interviewed, well, a talk with, my sister hosted a talk for us with some of her friends in Australia. And we had a few of my friends here in Malaysia join the call as well. And they were saying that they actually um, welcome the menopause years because it means they don't have to have children anymore and that responsibility is taken away. So it's quite refreshing to think that we uh, women here look at it very differently than perhaps women in the West. And so I believe that is why they don't talk about it and it's not brought to the levels that it is being talked about in the UK and other Western nations today. No, and possibly a different emphasis on youth, and uh, we're very youth-focused, which is coming particularly from the US, I would say, but also in the UK. In Asia, age is still revered. Yes, it's a wise time, and also once you hit your mid-50s as a woman here, that level of reverence does go even higher. Yes, you're a very respected, wise woman. And yeah, I guess that contributes to it. And probably I would say similar things are happening in, in cultures like the African cultures and also in, in some Arab cultures where women who have periods are very stigmatized and are seen as, you know, not having the same status as a postmenopausal woman. So I think that is an important lens to lay on this as we think about globally how we raise conversation, that there is that need to factor in these cultural dimensions into it. If you had one key mindset habit that you think could make a difference to women, what would that be? I'll ask each of you in turn to that. Ruby? I think it really for me i think the not taking yourself too seriously is probably one of my favorite things because it, it can become otherwise that you, you do start this spiral and, and you, if you can stop your thinking and just laugh it off and think okay so yeah my body's let me down today for whatever reason or my mind i've forgotten something i think for me that's a way to make light of it and take some of the pressure off I like that a lot. We think we need a bit more of that. <laughs> we do. We need to be lighter. <laughs> and for you, Gail? I think mine mine goes along similar lines in that one of the ladies in our book included this and she said, make sure that you have that group of friends around you who you can laugh and cry with and just share those moments because there are so many funny moments that we've already talked about in this chat with you today, Clarissa. 
there's some funny things that happen. There's some really um, heartbreaking things that happen and the way that that women talk about just the different symptoms but also bleeding and all of the things that go along with menopause, those embarrassing moments, those. But having that support group who that you can laugh and cry and joke with and just be yourself with you, it lightens the whole phase of what we women go through. And Ruby and I have each other for that as well. And I have various other women in my life who are going through menopause as well. And we just, when you check in and you just laugh about what has actually happened to you. And Ruby has wonderful stories and she shares a few in the book. And one of my favorite stories that she ever told me was about the chickens. And you need to read the book to find out the story about the chickens because it's just, it always creases me up because it is just the funniest thing. And I could picture it. And I was, I think the first time you told me, Ruby, I was crying because I was laughing so much. But it's these moments where we have those highs and those lows, have your group of girlfriends around you to support you, to build you up and to give you that shoulder to sob on when you need to. In addition to that, I've actually got a group of friends of my age, I've got younger, I've got older, and it's actually really nice to talk to older women who've gone through it and come out the other side. <laughs> so sometimes it just helps you remember this is just a phase, it will pass, and um, I will come out the other side and I can do it smiling. Yeah, I agree. And as an older woman on, on the other side now, I think that you see year-on-year year improvement in the sense of you feel the brain fog does lift, I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Thank you. <laughs> you re- yeah, and you regain a sense of energy and a new sense of who you are. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we're seeing so many war women in their mid-50s and beyond stepping out and doing new things because there's a newfound energy. And if we can hold that in front of ourselves as women, then I think we have a tremendous opportunity to actually navigate this time of life very successfully and come through it and realize that life is now on the other side and we've got another 30, 40 years of of a crack at life and in a different way with children out the way, no more periods, what could be better? And the added bonus is if you can power up your mindset with our book during your menopausal years, imagine what your postmenopausal years can actually look like. They can be even more powerful and you can step out because you've built this really powerful mindset that says, whatever I face next, whatever I want to do, if I want to accomplish something I've never done in my life before, I don't have to wait until my menopause is finished. I can build that strength and reclaim my mindset now so that whatever comes in the future, you go with the flow and you just do it with just that extra level of energy and you bound into your postmenopausal. Indeed. And on that note, I'd love to say, where can people get the book? <laughs> so we're on the big A, Amazon globally, so it can be purchased on your favourite Amazon seller. We are um, also in many indie bookshops globally, retail outlets, but in the UK as well, it's at Waterstones, it's online at Foils, Blackwell's, and other book, the, the Book Depository in Australia, Booktopia, and I think it's called Dixon's. I can't remember the name, the other bookshop in Australia. Sorry, the Australian guests. <laughs> you can buy a signed copy in the UK from Ruby. She will, you can find her website and purchase it from her and she'll sign a lovely message from myself and her. 
And if there's any listeners in Asia here, in Singapore or Malaysia, you can also get a signed copy from myself. That is so excellent. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think you've shared so much value and so much positivity that is needed for billions of women around the world to hear. I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. We're going to put the information on the book and your websites on the show notes so that people who've been listening and want to connect with you will definitely be able to do that. Thank you, Gail and Ruby, for your time and your passion and your energy around this subject. Thank you, Clarissa. It's been lovely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.